Diverse is brought to you by SWE Advance, supporting the recruitment, retention, and advancement of women in engineering through career resources, professional development, and one-to-one networking opportunities. Hi, everyone. I'm Jonna Gerken, FY18 President of the Society of Women Engineers, and this is SWE's Diverse podcast series. Please remember to add this podcast to your iTunes and like or follow us on social media. Visit SWE.org for more details. Joining me now as part of our Women Executives in Engineering podcast series is Pamela Jackson. She is the Vice President of Technology at Emerson. She has also held prominent positions with Lucent and AT&T. Pam is a SWE member, has bachelor's and master's degree in chemical engineering from MIT, and an executive MBA from Boston University. Thanks for joining us, Pam. Thanks for having me. Pam, you've been at Emerson for just over 16 years. Can you tell us a little about your background and career? Uh, sure, Jonna. And and thank you and SWE for the invitation to record this podcast. It's, it's quite an honor and a privilege. So I began my industrial career as an AT&T Western Electric graduate student fellow um, in the MIT Chemical Engineering Department. After receiving my, uh, my master's degree, I then joined um, the Western Electric Engineering Research Center, which is also known as AT&T Bell Laboratories in Princeton, New Jersey. I was well, what they called a member of the research staff and worked um, in the research and development of new products, uh, new processes and materials for the Western Electric factories, uh, which were the manufacturers of the Bell Labs uh, designs. So in my role, I interface directly with the factories to implement these new processes and materials that we developed in the, in the labs. I ended up earning um, a, a reputation with senior management as being technical sh- technically sharp and, and having management potential. So that led to several stretch assignments, as, as we now call them, uh, where, I, where I learned about things like the engineering budgeting process, um, return rate expectations for technology. And for the first time, I heard the words P&L, um, profit and loss. So I, I absolutely loved the factory environment where engineers turned ideas and drawings into product that shipped out the door to paying customers. It, it had a just a fantastic flow and energy about it that drew me uh, to a manufacturing engineering career path rather than a pure research one. Um, so eventually I applied for manufacturing manu- management jobs. And after uh, having five years in R&D, I was promoted to a Western Electric engineering department chief role at the Hawthorne plant located in Chicago. And over the next 20 years, um, I expanded my career, my skill sets, my capabilities. I, I took on more job responsibilities, um, relocated my family five times, and eventually rose through the ranks to become a vice president and general manager in Texas, running a very successful um, $450 million uh, division called uh, Micropower. By this time, I was a part of Lucent, which was an AT&T spinoff. And around 2000, the power business became non-strategic for Lucent. And in 2001, we were sold. Um, Emerson was, was one of the companies competing to buy us. And, and as vice president general manager of a major piece of that business, um, I was a key player in those due diligence meetings that we had with potential buyers. 
uh, Emerson did not purchase the Lucent power business, but they, but they did offer me a position to run one of their power businesses. So in 2001, um, my family and I moved to California where I led the Aztec DC to DC business for five years. In 2006, I was promoted to the position of Emerson Corporate Vice President Technology in St. Louis, which uh, I still hold. So that's that's my story. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for sharing that. Uh, you actually mentioned uh, along the way there about um, the um, the business end of things that was something that was new to you from your engineering degree. So you did get an MBA. Was that part of the reason? Um, yes, I did. Um, I ended up, uh, so I would say that about 10 years into my career, um, I found the lack of an MBA and formal business training uh, actually became a barrier um, to further advancements and increased leadership opportunities. And I found more and more that when I was turned down for the next promotion, the lack of formal business training and skills kept kept coming up. Um, so I chose to to go the executive MBA route um, for financial speed and minimal family disruption reasons. Um, by that time, 10 years into my career, we were a family of five <laughs> and it included a, a nine month old baby <laughs> and quitting my job to return to business school was not an option. So uh, with the executive MBA, at and paid for the degree and I was able to keep working full time. Um, it took 18 very intense months to, to earn that degree and we sacrificed. We really did sacrifice a lot of quality time as a family, but those 18 months went by uh, very quickly. I, I also think it was good for our two older daughters, um, who were preteens at the time, to see their mom go back to school as an adult and retool her skills, as well as see their mom and dad uh, work together to keep our family and careers intact. Um, my husband was incredibly supportive and very involved in this whole thing. Um, one of the things, and I'll just add this at this point, but one of the things I see young engineers, um, sometimes when they pursue an MBA, um, they don't take the next step of applying their new skills in the workplace. Um, it's more important than just adding three letters behind your name. Um, my advice is to, if you're going to pursue an MBA and you're an engineer, uh, develop a plan with your employer um, that allows you to put your new skills to work. Uh, you can do that even while you're still completing uh, the degree work. If there's no interest in helping you improve your career options, then find an organization or employer that will appreciate and allow you to use your new skills. Um, because if, if you don't use it, you will lose it. Um, so those were kind of my reasons for pursuing the MBA. It might not be applicable to everyone, but I had my reasons for doing it. Thanks for sharing that perspective. That's good advice for some of our members who might be thinking of getting the degree. So you're very obviously very successful and you've worked hard to get to where you are. What do you think there are any keys to, to your success as a leader? Any a few things you can pick out? Um, wow, that's a, <laughs> that is a tough one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I think there are lots of success factors or a number of them. And, and I've, I've always worked hard to be excellent at what I do, um, no matter the position or the level or the, or the challenge. And that, that excellence is for me, a part of my brand. 
But I think there are probably four other key factors that, that I'll pull out. Um, the first is that I consciously chose to become an engineer. Um, that happened during my freshman year at age 18. Uh, going to MIT, I, I had planned on majoring in chemistry. And um, in order to cover my finances, I, I had a work study program. Uh, and my high school science fair project, and, and research had landed me in a chemical engineering research lab as opposed to a chemistry lab. And my chemical engineering uh, undergraduate research professor convinced me to change my major uh, to chemical engineering, gave me lots of good reasons. <laughs> they, they were all valid. Um, but what I find is that the problem solving skills taught in engineering have always served me well. And the majority of my career has had an, an engineering or a technology arc to it. So I think that choice of becoming an engineer is a real key factor. Um, the second one is that I took a lot of risk. Um, and I'll just lay out two examples for you. Um, five years, as I mentioned, into my career, I decided to move from a research environment in New Jersey, where I was a member of the research staff in Bell Labs, to a factory engineering development manager position um, at the Western Electric Hawthorne factory in Chicago. So this meant three big things, uh, which I don't think I kind of realized at the, at the time, but they were, they were big. Number one, I was moving from a research lab to a factory. So that's, that's a shock to the system. Um, number two, I was moving my family um, and all that entailed from New Jersey to Illinois. And then three, I, I was moving from an individual contributor role to a departmental manager role and, and had 12 people that I was all of a sudden responsible for. So those were three you know, big challenges and risks, but um, it resulted in a, a huge growth opportunity for me and, and, and a successful one and put me on a, a great career path. Um, and I think the, another example of risk is that during my career, I often took on tough jobs that were adjacent to, but not uh, pure engineering. Uh, for example, um, taking on the manufacturing operations of a technology that I knew, okay? Or even a technology that I had to learn. Um, taking on a quality director role, um, learning and, and running materials management groups. Um, at one point I was the marketing VP for a billion dollar business. And, and then eventually leading um, businesses and having the responsibility for profit and loss. So taking those risks and performing well get you noticed, and, and that's how it was for me. Uh, it, it is much easier to find mentors, sponsors, and, and new opportunities with, with that combination. Number three, I would have to say, is um, having the ability to influence others. And what I have found in my career is that people are really the most important part of any business, whether it's the customer, um, stakeholders, uh, or uh, working associates. Uh, communicating well and listening are important skills to develop. And I personally value relationships and usually relate well to people, but for any young or, or, or engineer considering a, a leadership career, Developing an effective communication style, I think, is key to building relationships and learning how to, to influence other. And then the last one I think we've already talked about, and that was like obtaining the MBA and leveraging it. Again, for me, this was one of the best decisions I ever made. It led to 
a new career trajectory and advancement opportunities. And believe it or not, it made me a much better leader because there were definitely business related skills that uh, I was either weakened or lacked. So, um, so I would say those are probably the key success factors uh, for me. Thanks. Those are some great uh, advice pieces for both men and women. Exactly. To add on to, yeah, to add on to that though, are there any that you might have specifically for women engineers wanting to become leaders? Um, I think the one of seeking out those risks, you, you really need mm-hmm. to be proactive. Because um, sometimes people will assume wrongly things about you that, you know, well, she may not want to take a move because of this, okay, or that. And um, unfortunately, sometimes those conversations happen more with women, I believe, than, than they happen, well, I've observed it, than they happen with men. Um, so I think making your, your career goals and um, skill building sets um, known to um, your leadership, your management, uh, aggressively going after them and keeping those things in front of them, I think is very helpful, um, especially for women. That's very true. We need to make sure we're owning the story there and not letting other people make decisions for us. Exactly. Or define or define who they think you should be. Right. Great. Great. So along with that, uh, you know, part of your success, uh, as we've talked earlier, was um, having a strong support system behind you. And you've been married for more than 40 years. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Wonderful. And, you, and and it happens to be that your husband, like many uh, women engineers, also also has a technical degree. Many of us are married to other engineers or other technical um career men, what would you, uh, was there any advice you'd give to young women that may be looking for a life partner? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's not easy. I've watched my daughters <laughs> uh, go through this too. And, uh, I, I have to say and give credit. My husband, John is a great partner. Uh, as you mentioned, he, he is a chemical engineer and we met as lab partners at MIT. Uh, we're from opposite ends of the country. Um, but he, he had a very successful technical career working for three different companies and eventually retiring from Lucent Bell Labs as a distinguished member of the technical staff or what they called DMTS. Um, now, we made a conscious choice in our late 20s that my career would follow the management track and his the technical track. And uh, the reason we, we made that decision was that we came to a, a crossroads. Uh, where he had recently been promoted into a project management role. I was six months pregnant, (laughs) seven months pregnant, and was offered uh, this job in Chicago. And I originally turned it down uh, flat to to my boss that day that it was offered because I just thought it was a wrong time. And um, and in talking, you know, going home and talking to my husband, and uh, he actually brought up the fact that, you know, uh, I think I like doing individual contributor stuff better than leading <laughs> at this point in my life. So if it's still open, why don't you look at it? So what I, what I come out of that conversation is that it is so important to talk. Talk and talk again, talk often. Um, it forced us into a real serious conversation and, and we ended up feeling that we could best balance having a family and two careers, um, if only one of us was going to pursue the executive management ranks. Now that may not work for everybody, but for us, that's how it, how it broke. Um, so my advice 
to young people that uh, see a relationship in their future is to choose wisely. (laughs) You know, choose someone who is supportive of you, your career, and your personal goals. But on the flip side, you have to be supportive of theirs as well. And this talk, talk, talk about how you will mesh careers and family goals is is necessary and ongoing. Um, another piece of advice is that you must really love, value, and, and respect each other as individuals. Um, so, so that will often mean making tough decisions together and being open to change. Um, and then I think the final thing is that, you know, never try to live somebody else's expectations or their dreams or some ideal that you may see uh, another couple doing. Um, and, and that's whether this pressure comes from families, peers, or, or other influencers, you really need to create your own path in life and, and enjoy the, enjoy the ride. It's, it's been great. Such great points you made. Thanks for sharing that. You did mention you have some, you have three daughters, which uh, I'm happy to say all have STEM degrees two of which are engineers. And in fact, your oldest daughter, Rhonda, you and she were one of the first two mother-daughter pairs or African, excuse me, African-American mother-daughter pairs to graduate from MIT, which is awesome. How did you encourage them to pursue careers in STEM or you know, what types of things do you do to um, advocate for women in STEM? Yeah, it's, uh, it's been, it's been a, a, great, um, a great outcome to see them all move into the STEM areas or at least start there. Um, and I, I think when both parents are engineers, that's that's a, an advantage. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, many of our friends and just our natural conversations around our, ha- our home were techie related. So the girls absorb that. But we also introduced them at young ages to science and technology, toys, games, Legos, in addition to their Barbies and their Care Bears and their scooters and stuff. I mean, um, and plus we all like science fiction. Um, Schoolwork was a real priority in our home, and we insisted that they bring home top grades and that they all take as much math and science as they could in high school. Um, we also created a, a home study environment that, that supported them in, in trying to pull off these, um, these lofty goals. Um, sometimes they participated in science fairs and math competitions, but um, we, we didn't push it really heavily. Um, one thing we did do is that we always took them to our company open houses so they could see what mom and dad, uh, did for a living and they could ask questions. They could sit in our chairs, they could write on our whiteboards. Uh, you know, uh, uh, we, we also encouraged other aspects of their life, including, um, music, church jobs. They all worked, uh, during high school. Um, they, they all worked with charitable organizations and sports. Uh, in fact, three, all three were collegiate athletes and two of them uh, did this at division one schools, um, you know, while, while pursuing engineering and STEM degrees. We, we kept them busy, we kept them active, we, we nourished their natural curiosities and interests. And um, I must say, I, I believe their engineering and technical training have led them to have uh, successful careers individually and uh, one's in academia, another one is in healthcare, and the third one um, was uh, an Air Force officer and is now in consulting. Um, and as a special adder, our oldest grandson, so this works for boys too, um, our oldest grandson will enter MIT in the fall. So they are passing uh, the engineering bug or torch down to um, the next generation, which 
which we think is important. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So last question, a little bit bittersweet that you're retiring in the fall, which congratulations. <laughs> and, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and you've also just become a life member of SWE, which I'm proud to share with everybody. So two part question, how has SWE played a role in your success? And you know, what advice do you have maybe for those um, who are in the same life stage as you when it comes to um, continuing to support SWE and contribute to uh, women in STEM? Oh, sure. Um, yeah. Um, so the first part about how SWE has uh, played a role. When I atten <clears throat> attended MIT, we didn't we didn't have a SWE chapter on campus. And and I really didn't learn about SWE in until I started working in New Jersey. Um, there I attended local chapter meetings. Um, and in, in the 70s, there just weren't many female engineering role models um, or female technical managers and, and the predominantly male environment, especially in the factories, was often hostile uh, towards us younger women engineers. Um, the SWE ladies in, in a local chapter really understood <laughs> what we were up against and, and they bolstered us to, you know, things I remember was uh, stay strong, you know, keep your training updated, um, stay focused on doing your job well and, and, and be responsible for your own career path then that was really important. Um, they helped me get through some really tough times where I actually thought about leaving the engineering field because I, I thought it shouldn't have to be this hard, mm. <laughs> uh, you know, from a, a personal point of view. And more recently, um, SWE has been a great partner um, to, to my company, uh, Emerson, as well as to me personally. Um, as we started up a um, Women in STEM Employee Resource Group four years ago, um, Emerson is a, is a member of the SWE Corporate Partnership Council, and, and I've been the rep for Emerson for the last four years. We've been able to leverage many of the best practices from SWE and the other corporate partners, and we're now in a position to, to give something back. Um, uh, Emerson recently hosted SWE's first corporate roundtable in China, which was a great honor for us and, and, and helpful to SWE. Uh, SWE has also helped us develop develop um, several of our Emerson women grow and achieve uh, as they serve in local SWE professional chapters as leaders. Um, some of them have found their niche, niche in organizing regional conferences. Many have presented technical papers, served on panels, um, or recognized locally and nationally by SWE for their leadership achievements. So uh, SWE has been just a, a very strong contributor of developing our our female um, engineering talent. And um, in terms of advice for uh, women engineers who want to become leaders or are, you know, viewing that path to retirement, um, you know, I would reiterate a couple things and um, a couple of them I've already made, and that is this whole thing about excellence. Uh, excellent in what you do, uh, making sure that the word excellence is tied to your brand um, and be associated with your name. Um, taking risk and fighting for the hard assignments or the hard things that you might want to do in life. And that whole thing about if you are in a relationship, having a supportive significant other is a key advantage. And um, I think there are also three others I'd like to mention um, one of which I got from this the SWE ladies early in my career, and it, it also plays now. 
And that is continually updating your skills and expanding, um, learning, uh, updating the skills, updating your certifications. Um, You know, engineers delight in problem solving. And, And even if you ultimately move away from pure engineering, that problem solving can be applied to many things, many problems that we have uh, in the world or in our society. And um, I do think it's important to keep your skill toolbox updated and relevant to the work you want to do. Um, I think if you're still in college or about to start, I I would strongly urge that folks consider an engineering co-op opportunity. Uh, you will be much more employable, workplace savvy when you leave college. Plus, it is an alternative to taking on a lot of debt and loans. Might take you an extra year, but the benefits are well worth it. Um, It also helps you figure out what you want or maybe don't want in a post-college career. Um, And a lot of people my age take on internships and, and go off into different fields. So um, I think it works at both ends of the career. And then finally, um, one bit of advice I wish I had had early is to take a non-US-based assignment. Uh, That is a terrific opportunity to expand your ability to work with and in different cultures. Uh, We are increasingly a flat world. Uh, Information, travels very quickly. And it is important that you develop a global outlook perspective and that you have the ability to work across cultures. Um, so don't be shy about pursuing and accepting a non-US-based assignment. Uh, I know it's one thing that we value very strongly in Emerson. And uh, it's the one thing that I did not do that uh, hindsight, I, I have uh, advise my daughters to look into this and, and, and to see if that's something that, that they would be interested in doing. So those are kind of, you know, my words of wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> Pam, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Pamela Jackson is the Vice President of Technology at Emerson. Pam, thank you for participating in our Women Executives in Engineering podcast series. And for SWE, this is Jonna Gherkin. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget to explore additional offerings from SWE Advance at advancedlearning.swe.org.